friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Contenders Radio. This is Kevin Inman and we're talking about changing our thinking. And the reason we want to change our thinking is that we want to have lofty thoughts of God. We want to think so much of God that sin will not have any draw for us, any draw on us, and that that desire will no longer be there. We want our desire to be of the Lord because He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. His love endures forever. And so we want to then develop a new habit. And here's why. Because oftentimes in our lives, yes, even Christians sin. Sadly, that's the reality. I wish it were not, and I know that one day we will be set free totally from the hold, the stronghold of sin, um, those things that, that so oftentimes entangle us and ensnare us. We we have been set free from the power of sin. We talked about that in the past. Romans tells us uh, in, in Romans chapter 6 that we do not have to sin. We see that in verse 6, verse 7, verse 14. We don't have to sin because the, the, the power of sin has been broken by Jesus Christ himself, the strong one, uh, our strong tower, the mighty one, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah. He is um, that holy God, and, and praise God that sin has been defeated by Jesus, and yet that that sinful uh, flesh still entangles us and, and seeks to devour us. And so habitual sin then can be can be very difficult to, to let go of. Oftentimes, we find that we automatically respond wrongly because of entrenched uh, habits that, that have held on from that old us. And so what we want to do is put that off. And so we're talking again about that today. We're talking about changing our thoughts so that we can put off the old fleshly sinful lust and, and uh, you know, lying and stealing and, and, and all of those lustful patterns of sin. And we want to put on the, the new habits of godliness, of holiness. We want to walk holy before the Lord. We want to live in a way that is upright. We want to be imitators of God as as beloved children, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. And then he continues in verse 2 of memory serves, where he tells us to walk in love. And uh, uh, as Christ also loved us, he says, and, and gave himself up for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God, um, as a fragrant aroma. That's how we want to live our life. We want to put off things like he continues on to say in Ephesians 5.3. We want to put off immorality or any impurity or greed. Those things must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. There must be no filthiness, verse 4, or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. So we're putting off silly talk, coarse jesting, and putting on what? The giving of thanks. We want to um, uh, realize that we were formerly darkness. We, we, we were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. 
We want to realize that when we come to Christ, when Christ saves us, that he necessarily changes who we are. Our old nature is gone and dead. Our new nature is here and it's alive. And so we are to walk in holiness. We can't use, you know, just, well, that's just, uh, I'm human. I'm only human. We can't use that for an excuse because we're not just only human. We've been remade. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And yes, obviously, I know we're humans. We're not aliens, okay? But but we're to live as strangers and aliens in this world. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're not to walk in darkness. We're to walk in resurrection light, if you will, all right? We're to walk in the power of God's resurrection. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and enables us to say no to sin. And so we want to talk then very practically about doing just that, about saying no to sin. And so last time, if you were listening on Contenders Radio, uh, we talked about this very thing. We got started talking about how we need to change our thinking. And so what we said was we need to saturate our mind with Scripture. We need to saturate our mind with Scripture. Proverbs 4.23 basically says we need to guard our heart. We need to guard our heart. And, and, and we, we, we discover that when we talk about the heart or, or our mind, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the inner man. The inner man. And so we need to to be renewed, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We need to be renewed and uh, have our hearts renewed. The, the transformation needs to take place to, to bring about a renewal in our mind. We don't want to be conformed to this world, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that then we can prove what God's will is, his, his um, good, acceptable, perfect will. So we want to do that, and, and that happens as we change our thinking. We change our thinking. If we're going to um, stop participating in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, as, as Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 says, then what we need to do is to renew our thinking. In fact, that verse tells us in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. And so, folks, listen, not only do we stop doing sinful things, but in Christ, we now have a responsibility to expose those sinful things. Folks, sin has no place in God's church no place in God's church. And, and, and what is God's church? It's not a building. God's church is um, us. We are God's church. God's church is the, the people, the Christians who, uh, who he has saved by grace through faith. We make up the church. And so, folks, listen, sin has no place. The deeds of darkness have no place. So not only do we put them off, but we also have to expose them. And that's why, friends, listen, it's not wrong to, and it's not being um, hypocritically judgmental to expose sin. We're commanded to do just that. And so put off, put on. How do we do it? By changing our thinking. And so how do we change our thinking? Well, one, we have to saturate our mind with Scripture, and that's where we left off last week. We want to meditate on the Word of God. We want to meditate on the Word of God. Now, remember, as we, as we discussed last time, that biblical meditation is not what's commonly thought about as being meditation. Biblical meditation is different than Eastern meditation. 
Eastern meditation has to do with emptying your mind, but biblical meditation has to do with filling your mind with God's Word. So emptying our mind is, is, is really a dangerous thing. If we empty our mind, we open ourselves up then to deception. It gives the enemy room to fill our mind with with sinful thoughts, with evil things, with, with deception. But we are to fill our mind. Uh, and, and and really, when we when we begin to understand, uh, especially as we saw last time in Psalm seventy six, verse eleven, verse twelve, thirteen, fourteen, uh, as as the scriptures were talking about meditating on God, the, that word, that Hebrew word for meditation, actually means to um, to mutter softly. So you're speaking under your breath, basically. You're you're talking to yourself. Now, in some circles, I know if you walk around talking to yourself, they're liable to lock you up in a padded room, okay? <laughs> but uh, the Bible actually talks about us doing just that. That's what the Bible means when it says to meditate on God's Word. We're, we're, we're muttering it under our breath. That's what we're doing. Now, folks, it's no wonder that, that the world hates us. The, the Bible portrays us as a peculiar people, as strangers and aliens. We are a peculiar people set apart for God. And so obviously we're going to be different. And this is one of those places. Normally people talk to themselves, that's seen as a bad thing. But here to understand that we are to to speak to ourselves over and over again the word of God. Folks, that's actually commanded of us and it's it's commendable for Christians to do. A different, another difference, I guess, uh, with Eastern meditation and biblical meditation is this, that Eastern meditation focuses on, on us. That's really the focus. I'm, I'm centering my inner self, and I'm, I'm, I'm becoming self-actualized, all these buzzwords. I'm, I'm focused on my breathing and, and my emotions and, and feelings and those sorts of things. And, and folks, uh, that is not biblical at all. That is, that is anti-biblical. Biblical meditation takes the focus off of me altogether. It takes the focus off of you altogether. Biblical meditation, the focus is the Word of God. And actually, more specifically, it's the God of the Word. As we meditate on God's Word, we, we, we discover more about who God is. It's about the God behind the Word. And, and folks, just listen. The biblical God is the one true God, Yahweh, Jehovah God. Jesus being the Son of God, we, we're speaking of the Godhead, that triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so, so that's, that's who we're seeking to discover. We're not trying to be self-actualized. Friends, self-help is, is self-defeating. Self-help is really no help at all. I'm a sinful man. You are a sinful man or woman. We're all steeped in sin at birth. There's none righteous, not even one, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.10. There are none who seek after God. We're steeped in sin at birth. We see that from uh, King David in the Psalms. I believe it's Psalm 139. There's nothing good in us. All of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 64, if memory serves. But folks, listen, Eastern meditation would have us look inside for some sort of help, some self-actualization. But friends, the Bible uh, the Bible, uh, the Bible's view on that is 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 that that is sinful. The 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 true meditation, biblical meditation, what the Bible would refer to as meditation, is focusing not on us but on God. Also, when we when we think about 
what's predominantly understood as meditation today. It's about uh, relieving stress. It's about getting rid of of stress and and uh, uh, and those sorts of things. But what the Bible tells us is that is that meditation, biblical meditation, the the goal is 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 not just to get rid of stress. The goal is to saturate our minds with Scripture so that we become more holy. Now that's a subtle difference, I know, and 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 here's what ha- here's what happens when we when we realize what the Bible has to say about stress. As we read God's word, as we study God's word, and and we should we should study to show ourselves approved. When we'll we'll get to that in a moment here, Lord willing. But but as we're doing those things and dwelling or or ruminating or or meditating or muttering the word of God to ourselves over and over again, as we do those things, we begin to discover that God is bigger than any problem. Or even uh, be it be it a supposed or imaginary you know problem or or a problem for real. I mean, whether it's legitimate or not, God's bigger than all of those things, and 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 therefore, um, what we do it when we meditate and discover just how awesome God is. Obviously, a, a byproduct of that is that we don't have stress, but that's not the goal. We're not trying to to um, uh, self-actualize and and just relieve and and release the stress from our life. No, meditation, biblically speaking, is about filling our mind with God's word. And as we do that, obviously, as I said, one of the one of the fruit of that will be that we won't experience stress the way the world does but meditation is about finding god um finding god discovering the truth of god's word and and of who god is how he reveals himself in the word and so we 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 don't turn to anything for peace not even meditation the goal of meditation is not to to find peace in this world and that's how it's portrayed oftentimes through eastern style meditation and yoga uh, those two things are combined uh, they they come from hinduism yoga is not simply exercise it's it's part of he, uh hindu religious practice and and again i, I don't want to derail here we can talk about that another time but 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 another thing about eastern meditation is that it focuses on on um the 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 practice uh, the practitioners being in control to take control as they self actualize and, and those sorts of things then they they take control and 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 really what they're doing is say that you become the master of your emotion the master of your will the master of your intellect all all of those those kinds of phrases and and terms but but folks listen a christian has but one master and it's not me or it's not you it's not anyone else it's not a guru or a yogi and 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 let me just throw this in jesus is not your yogi either jesus is god he's god period period he is the lord god the high and lofty one he's so far beyond our 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 attempts even at describing him he is perfectly holy and omniscient and omnipotent and i mean even those big words just pale in comparison to who god actually is the train of his robe filling a temple the scriptures speak of his majesty in ways that are just hard to fathom using earthy language 
We see that in, in Revelation, and uh, you look as, as uh, the Apostle John sees Jesus. It says in, in Revelation one twelve, I turned to see um, the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Those represented the churches, the seven churches that were being addressed here in chapters 2 and 3. But he says, and, and uh, in the middle of those lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash his head and his hair were white like wool and snow and his eyes were like flames of fire his feet were like burnished bronze and when it has been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters in his right hand he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in his strength in its strength and and John goes on to say, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Why? Because he was in the presence of a holy God. He was in a presence of holy Jesus, and he falls down as if dead. Friend, folks, Jesus is magnificent and powerful, but well, what does Jesus do here? Jesus brings him to his feet. I just lost my place. Let me get back there. Jesus said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one and I was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of Hades and then he goes on to give him his mission to write these things but my friend listen God is magnificent and holy and just just beautiful beyond description and when we come into the scriptures we begin to see God for who he is and we also see who we are sinful fallen in need of redemption and praise God for that Eastern meditation, you know, is really nothing more than escapism. We're trying to escape the realities of, of what's of what's happening through, you know, this language and these notions of 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 higher consciousness and altered states of reality and, and those sorts of things. But biblical meditation is not at all about escaping anything. It's finding our strength in God and in the word of God. Or the God of the Word. I mean, both of those things are true. We go to the Scriptures and, and God's Holy Spirit as we meditate and read and study the Word of God. God's Holy Spirit then begins to, to make that Word alive and active in us. That's what His Word is, remember. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The Word of God is sharper than any, what? Any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intention of the heart. That's why we go to the Word of God. That's why we go to God's Word. So we want to engage then in biblical meditation. We want to, one, saturate our mind with Scripture. And how do we do that? By meditating on the Word of God. That's one way we do that. We meditate on the Word of God. Let me share with you a, a few verses here out of Psalms, the book of Psalms. And this is Psalm 119. In verse 15, it says, I will meditate on your precepts. And regard your ways. What does it mean to meditate on the precepts of God? The precepts of God. We're, we're talking about the word of God. His, his, his teachings. His law. His precepts. His principles. His ordinances. But throughout the scriptures we see different uh, terminologies. Different adjectives if you will. Describing the word of God. His law. His precepts. His ways. Uh, his orders. His statutes. His decrees. His commandments. His judgments. His, his word. His path. Uh, the words, all of these different things. And, and folks, this is simply the word of God we're talking about. And so what does the psalmist say? I will meditate on your word. 
and regard your ways. So what are we doing? As we meditate on the Word of God, we're discovering who God is, what He wants, what He expects of us, from us, what He wants for us even. We see all of those things. And so as we meditate on that Word of God, as we meditate on it, we're, 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 we're filling our mind, we're saturating our mind with Scripture, and we're giving an opportunity for God to change our thoughts so that we're enabled now to be able to rightly put off the sin, put on the acts of holiness, the, the habits of holiness. Holy habits. There you go. There's a new, new, uh, new phrase here, a new, new catchphrase. I'm sure it's already been used. But, hey, if not, there you go. Holy habits. So Psalm 119, verse 15, meditating on God's precepts. And, and we see throughout this, this psalm over and over again. Here's, here's another one, uh, verse 27 of Psalm 119. Make me understand the way of your precepts, so I will meditate on your wonders. So how's he going to how's he going to understand? Well, he's he's asking God, God, make me to understand the way of your word, of your scripture, of your precepts. And I will meditate on your wonders, the wonder of who God is, the wonder of creation, the wonder of his works, the wonder of his word, the wonder of his word. All of those things here, folks. My friends, listen, we want to meditate on God's word. And we see this again over and over and over. I, I, I'm going through and just, just flipping through Psalm 119. This is a massive psalm. Psalm 119 is no less than... Uh, 100 and 176 verses, 176 verses, and and it's broken down according to the Hebrew alphabet. Um, and so uh, every eight verses, the verses begin with a different letter from the Hebrew alphabet. Now, in English, if you're reading in English, you're not going to see that because it doesn't translate that way. But in the Hebrew, as this is given... Every verse, like the first eight verses, all start with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The next eight verses all start with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes on and on from there all the way to the end. But throughout, we see so many places where God is telling us here in his word to meditate. Psalm 119, verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 99, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, he goes on to say in verse 100, because I've observed your precepts. So notice what's happening here. As he meditates on God's word, the, he, he begins to move on now, not just not just simply thinking about those things. But now, as we would see in um, in well here in the Psalms, but also I'm thinking about Second Timothy, chapter two, verse 15, where Paul tells this young son of his in the faith, right? His 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 young son in the faith of Christianity, the Christian faith in the Lord, Timothy, he's talking to. He says, be diligent. What's it mean to be diligent? Work. You have to work hard. You have to invest some effort. So be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So what, what's in view here? What does this have to do with meditation? Well, as we want, if we want to saturate our mind with God's word, we first meditate on his word, and then we move from meditating on the word to then studying the word. It's different. We're now working hard. We're figuring out, okay, what does this word mean? What does the word diligent mean? What, what does the word, um, what, what does he mean when he says to accurately handle? What, what, what do those things mean? 
And so we began to go through and study the Word of God. And again, always, listen, remember, we always, I think it was Greg Pokel who said, to never read a Bible verse. And what he meant was not to don't read Scripture. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is never just read it in and of itself and pull it out of its context in order to um, to use it some some way, uh, which would be a wayward way most likely because what happens if we're not careful, we just read a verse and quote a verse and, and, uh, and just try to use a verse, we may forget that the context is given. And, and, and it's always given. Every verse is part of a chapter. Well, let's let's even go back. Every verse is part of a paragraph. Every paragraph is part of a chapter. Every chapter is part of a letter or book in the Bible. And in that book, that letter is part of the entire Bible. And so God does not contradict himself. His word does not contradict itself. And so we have to make sure we rightly, accurately handle the word of truth. And so that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. And we we see why, because he goes on to say in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Right there where we see adequate, equipped for every good work. There's an adjective and uh, uh, equipped, uh, a verb here in the uh, English language. But what does it mean to be adequately equipped? Well, that is a translation of, of a Greek word, uh, the word artios. And that means just that, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly equipped, adequately equipped. In modern English vernacular, the word adequate uh, can can take on a different nuance. Like instead of saying something uh, well, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. We might say mm, that's adequate, meaning it'll work, it'll it'll pass, it'll I can make do with that. But here, what it means, adequate, equipped for every good work, it means thoroughly prepared, thoroughly equipped to do good. Now, now think about that. Think about that because we started a few a few weeks ago, several episodes ago, talking about putting off and putting on, dealing with habitual sin. Put off sinful habits, replace them with holy habits, with good godly things. How do we begin to do that? Ephesians 4.23 said we need to change our thinking. We need to be. We need to change our mind, right? He said um, that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Same thing Paul said to the church in Romans, in Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Romans chapter twelve, verse two, about being renewed in our thing, being transformed through the renewal of our mind. So as we do that, we're saturating our mind with Scripture. We're meditating on the Word of God. Now we're studying the Word of God, and what's the result? As we study the Word of God, we see that we will be thoroughly prepared, perfectly equipped for every good work. So now we can put off the, the, the sinful habits. We can put on the holy habits because we're prepared. What is it that prepares us? It's God working through the Word of God. It's, it's the God of the Word working through the Word of God, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here, the one true God. I'm talking about God, um, the biblical God, working through His Word to change our thinking, and then change our living. We want to walk in holiness. Friends, it starts with the Word of God. And so the result then, as our thinking changes, as we're renewed in our mind, as we, as Colossians 3.2 said, as we set our mind on things above, we now begin to walk in the newness of life. We begin to walk 
in holiness. We began to love God more. We began to love his word more. And, and friends, it's amazing that the more we get in God's word, the more we want to be in God's word. Friend, those, those Christians who can go on neglecting God's word, it's unfathomable to me. And, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this. No, there, there have been times when I, when I have neglected God's word. Yes, it's true. I hate to admit it, but it's true. But I know when I neglect God's word, God's spirit, Christ in me, the hope of glory, God's Holy Spirit convicts me of that sin, of omission, of, of, of staying away from God's word. I begin to see that I've abandoned my first love, who, which is God. Who is God? I've abandoned God because I've set aside his word. And friend, that's how I commune with God today. God speaks to us, not audibly. God speaks to us through his word. And so I pray, I'm speaking to God. I read his word. He's speaking to me through the word of God. And the Holy Spirit makes that word alive in me. And so when I neglect it, friend, I know. And, and here's the reality. When I neglect it, not only do I know, but my wife knows when I when, when, when I neglect his word, because I treat her poorly. I treat her differently. And what a shame. But my children know also. Why? Because I'm, I'm, my fuse of anger is, is, is shorter than when I'm in his word. But not only do my, do my, does my wife and, and, and do my children know, but my friends know. My church members know. The, the other elders at our church know when I haven't been in God's word the way I should. And I'm grateful for that. It's so good to have people, my wife, my kids even, my church family, who will say, hey, Brother Kevin, what's, what's up? What's going on? You know, and they'll use any sorts of you know, different ways of, of introducing the topic. But, but they do, and I'm grateful for that. You're a little on edge today. What's going on? And my tension's brought back to the fact, oh, I have not been in God's word like I need to be. And friends, let me just say I'm grateful for my church family that, and my family, my wife and my kids and my church family who bring that to mind. It's good to have other godly people in our lives who will walk with us and spur us on towards love and good deeds. But folks, when we are in God's word, meditating on it, when we're studying it, the result is that our, our habits change. They do. And praise God that they do. But our life then changes. They change. And so, so our thoughts, our beliefs, our desires even begin to change. Because the more we're in God's word and discovering how awesome God is, the more we want to discover about God. The more we long to be close to God through his word. Because he, my friends, is so worthy and worthwhile to pursue. He is glorious and splendid. And so, friend, I pray that you will be in God's word, that you will commit to studying, to showing yourself approved so that you can be in God's word. And that by being in God's word, meditating on the word and studying the word, that you will be equipped then for every good work. Now, my friend, that's all the time we have today. So God bless you in your pursuit of holiness as you develop holy habits. God bless you. Until next time. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. 
can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.